Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. I want to thank you so much for tuning in again this Wednesday, where my guest today is the one and only Casey James. Now, you might know that name from American Idol, but... I know that name is a guy that really knows how to play guitar, a really talented artist and musician, songwriter. Uh, he's kind of the, the whole package. He's one of those guys that knows how to phrase, you know, he knows, you know, how to speak softly on the guitar. I mean, he knows when to speak and when not to speak. And that's a really, uh, really cool element of playing the guitar. You know, because so many guys, man, they just like got to say it all at once. And, uh, you know, there's some cats out there that are really good at crafting what they say, you know, and Casey James, believe it or not, is one of those guys. He's really good at crafting what he's got to say. Now, I had an amazing conversation with Casey uh, from his home in Nashville where, uh, you know, he's like everybody else. He's hunkered down, working on a bunch of different stuff, trying to, you know, stay, you know, relevant, you know, so when this whole virus thing passes on, we can, uh, you know, get back to normalcy. But uh, he's got a lot of great things to say, a lot of great insight. And for being a young man, he is uh, an extreme professional. And so I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that you're going to enjoy it, too, because, you know, there's going to be some things come out of it that you didn't expect. I'm telling you right now, he is a sharp cat. So without further ado, here's Casey James. Yes, it is. Casey, Jimmy Warren here. How are you, buddy? Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Where are you at? You in Texas or Nashville? I'm sitting in uh, Nashville, well, specifically Mount Juliet, Tennessee, but uh, Nashville, roundabout. Yeah, it seems like everybody's either from Nashville or Texas. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Texan at heart, but uh, currently living in in Nashville. It's uh, just part of the prerequisite. You have to kind of check mark that if you want to do music for a bit, for a living and and do it outside of Texas. You know, you can if you're just doing Texas. You can live in Texas, but if you're doing this, you know, all over, it seems like everybody comes to Nashville. It makes sense. I mean, tons of people are out here, writers and publishers and, you know. Right. The business the business of music is less uh, prominent in Texas than music is, which is uh, a whole conversation. That could be a podcast uh, on and of its own. <laughs> <laughs> well, really cool. You know, I appreciate you uh, carving out a little bit of time you know, to, to chat with me. And, oh, my pleasure, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No, it's, it's my pleasure, actually. And if you don't mind, you know, I'd really like to talk about, if we don't mind starting off with talking about your history as a guitar player. I mean, everybody's got somebody or something that influenced them to want to play guitar in the beginning. What was that for you? Uh, yeah, I'd like to say that it was um, something spectacular, but like I, I feel like a lot of people... <laughs> Um, being around it was kind of what, what made me want to do it. My, my dad, my family are all kind of pretty much everybody above me and my family, meaning my aunt, my uncle, my, my dad, my mom, my grandfather, my grandmother, all those people in my life played and sang. 
to some degree, you know, they, they found it interesting enough to sit down and learn some chords. And a lot of them are, as far as I'm concerned, without a doubt, professional level, um, musicians and artists and writers. So I just kind of grew up around it. And so one day my dad was trying to show my brother something and it just seemed like very monotonous and, and he was not getting it. And in my head, I could hear it. I don't know. You know, at the time I didn't understand why, but it just made sense to me. And I got up from playing Nintendo at the age of like 13 and I said, show me that. Yeah. And my dad said, no, man, I can't, I can't show you this because that's really above, you know, you've never picked up a guitar in your life. You can't play that, but I can show you some chords. And I said, okay, cool. And I was kind of cocky about it, but, uh, he showed me, you know, we wrote out on a piece of paper a few chords. I went home and, I learned them all, and uh, when I came back, I don't know, a few weekends later, to spend more time with my dad, um, I played them all, and they were all ringing, and I was changing between them, and, and had it down, and he was really impressed, and he let me take his Mel Bay's guitar chord, uh, little guitar chord book back home, so I learned all the chords, and learned how to change in between them all, and that was really it, man, from that point on, it was, it was go time, because once you, I mean, I'm, I may be speaking out of turn here, but once you learn the notes and you have a pretty good handle on what they sound like, then when you hear music, you can pretty much hear what's being played, you know? So then I was, I never slowed down past then because if I heard a song, I'm going, oh, I can play that, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that arrogant 13 or 14 year old brain going, well, I can do that. If somebody else can do it, I can do it, you know? So right. I um, never set it down after that. That was it. it was That's the whole story. Well, wow, that's really cool. And now, so since everybody or, or the majority of the people in your family were all, uh, you know, in into music in that, was there a specific style or was it eclectic? I mean, were they very eclectic? Yeah, very eclectic. Yeah, everything from each one of those folks that I was mentioning had their own kind of, you know, passion uh, lane, so to speak, of music that they really preferred. I mean, my nana, which is my mother's mother. Um, was really into R&B. I mean, at the time, uh, you know, uh, Ray Charles, Nat King Cole, I mean, she watched the Apollo every night. Uh, you know, that, that was her thing, you know, very soulful blues and jazz, um, that type of vibe. My, my papa, which was her husband, listened to bluegrass and really old time country with the newest that he listened to being probably, you know, Merle Haggard and George Jones. George played, you know, well into all the way up to late in his career. So he was still mm -hmm. making music. And my papa was a part of that. Then I had heavy metal and rock from my brother. I had classic oldies uh, all the way from 50 to about uh, 1950 to about 1980 from my father. Um, so there was just a little bit of everything. And, then of course I had my own stuff that I was listening to, so yeah, very very eclectic. I don't think there's really much of anything at all anywhere on the planet that I've not been a part of and had at least a few CDs in that genre. Uh, some I like more than others, obviously, but very eclectic family and very eclectic for me just to be around that. So it's kind of continued that that whole thing has continued in my life. Though now I probably listen to more. Uh, or less, I should say, less than ever because I found what I really love, you know. Yeah. 
And and so uh, I, I can tell by your music that you, you have that diversity, but yet you seem to have found a wheelhouse for yourself, kind of in that bluesy rock rootsy kind of, you know, a little bit R&B, you know, kind of meshed up uh, yeah, genre. That's, you know? that's, that's the struggle fest <laughs> of you walking through that is how I feel anytime somebody asks me what to do, you know. <laughs> But it's true. I do feel like, you know, and I think this is true of most music is it's just, you know, it, it's a very organic combination of all the, the things that I love. And, and because it's, I have an eclectic background, it's not dead center of anything. And, and I like that. Uh, to me, music is more interesting when it's not, uh, you know, dead ahead, though. I'm not saying that can be wrong because if I'm going to listen to, you know, let's say that I want to hear some great blues or something i can plug in and listen to jimmy vaughn and that's about as straight ahead as it's gonna get you know what i mean and that that fine-tuned you know sharp edge of a you know this is what i am can be really nice to experience but for me um the closest i've ever uh, been to to hitting something directly on the head was maybe my my first independent record after I left Sony Music, which was a record called Strip It, Strip It Down. Right. Um, that was pretty much dead ahead blues as far as I'm concerned. I mean, a lot of things, it's, it had a lot of tinges of, of different things, but for me, it was, it was a blues record. And then, and this latest record is a little bit more outside of that box that I, that I put that first record in after Sony. So, um, right. Yeah. It, it seems like, uh, well, having, having been around a lot of guys like you, um, you know, the one thing that we that they hate to be asked, or the, you know, the the question that they all cringe at is, is you know, how would you classify your music? Because nobody wants to label themselves; they just want to say, "Hey, I make great music." It's, <laughs> yeah, it's know? it's a, it's tough. It's yeah. a tough thing. That's I mean, for me, that's kind of like asking me my favorite food or something. I mean, I like I like all food, and so. And it's a, for me to, and I, I don't know that it's really a good thing for people to try and answer that. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that some people don't know definitively, because uh, certainly they do. But um, I might not be the best judge of, of what I should call my music because, you know, I know for sure that there are times where I, the heart of something that I'm doing is very clearly, you know, X Y Z, and somebody else hears it and references ABC, and so. Um, you know, maybe I'm not the guy that should be saying that, but, um, I do know that I feel like in my head and heart, the very core of what I do stems from a very deep love and passion for blues and things that have the blues inside of it, which is most everything for me. I mean, I can hear, (laughs) you know, pieces of the blues in almost any, anything that I listen to and, yeah. You know, again, that just goes to show you, I, maybe I'm not the guy to be answering that question. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's probably the industry that has, you know, uh, guided us all into, you know, that box. Exactly. You, you know, that's really what it is, is. The industry dictates, you know, they have to put a label on it somehow or another. Exactly. Unfortunately, but, you know, I guess that's one of the ways people identify things in that. But when yeah. you... But you know what? Jumping back, when you were 13 and you started playing and you got that first guitar, what was that first guitar? Uh, well, my, I didn't really own one at the beginning. Um, it, it was because there were guitars sitting around, ah. uh, 
at everywhere, you know, all the folks, you know, my, my dad's house, if I visited him, he had a couple of different, uh, you know, six string, 12 string, couple of, uh, couple of different, few different acoustics. And the same was true at my, you know, my mother's house. And so I didn't really have one in the beginning. And I'm, I'm guessing that's because nobody really took me seriously and thought that I was going to have such a passion for it. But, um, uh, the very first guitar that was ever bought for me and keeping in mind, I didn't buy it myself cause I was 13 or 14 at the time, uh, was an American made Stratocaster. It was a big, it was a huge deal, man. It was like a, and of course at the time, I mean, really anything that was electric, I would have freaked out about, but little did I know, you know, that it was a, a very expensive, very expensive electric guitar. And I still have it to this day as a 1994, American Strat, which at the time was their 40th anniversary of the Strat, I think. Yeah, it had to be around. Uh, something like that, yeah. Uh, was or 40th Fender anniversary, I don't remember what the deal was. Yeah. Was it one of the, was it a plus? Did it have lace sensor pickups? And... Nope. No, nope. Okay. Straight ahead. Okay. Straight ahead uh, ceramics, which I swapped out immediately for, at the time I was listening to uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Being from Texas and being massively influenced by tons of musicians uh, at the time, um, put in some Texas special pickups in that guitar. So now I got a, I guess it's be a set of Texas specials that are, let's see, oh, oh five would have been 10, 20. Yeah, they're like 25 years old. (laughs) So I bet those sound really good. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice guitar. I, I know. I, I know. Around that time, I had uh, acquired a couple of the American Strat Pluses, and it was when they came out with the that Fender had changed their whole design, and they had lace sensor pickups and Spurzel tuning pegs and a hip shot, you know, for the for the spring, you know, section and stuff like that, which was completely out of the the realm for Fender at that time, you know. Yeah, because they'd never gone that way, and that was what Clapton, I think it was, was the big motivator in that because he was using lace sensors and stuff. So. Yep, that's exactly right. And they did yeah. that mid-boost, I want to say. There yeah. was like a DB boost or something. Yeah. Yeah, I almost got one of those yeah. right after the fact. But I, I And I like the Fender lace pickups, actually. Um, but I find they're a little bit more limited to me in my style of playing with the way that I do with my hands. Um, I feel like they're a little bit more limited in their capabilities than, than just a normal... Uh, single coil that, you know, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm, I guarantee you a million people would say that's not true at all, but, uh, just my personal opinion of them is I dig them, but just not quite as much as other things. Yeah. You know what? When you get into, to talking about gear and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's really, everybody's opinion is completely different. Exactly. You know, everybody yeah. looks, everybody's got the ones that they love. Like myself, I played Fender for years. All those years that I toured in that, I played Fender and that was all I played. And, you know, in my older age, because I'm old now, Casey, <laughs> in my older age, I started experimenting and trying all different kinds of guitars. And my last guitar that I acquired was an Ibanez Prestige. And I tell you what, I was, I'm blown away by it. It's probably one of the best guitars I've ever played in my life. I mean, well, it's, it's funny. I feel like so many people enter into the world of guitars with either Fender or Gibson. And I do know it's almost kind of like, uh, you know, politics. If somebody is, you know, raised in a, 
you know, Republican family, then they tend to be Republican. I think statistics show, you know, and vice versa. You know, if you raise in a, a family full of Democrats, then you're a Democrat. And in the same sense, I feel like that's the way the guitars go. And people kind of seem to start in one place and they stick with that mostly. Like, at least the guitar players that I've known and talked with have similar stories to, to me, which is, man, when I started, I, I had my, you know, somebody bought me a Fender Strat. And so the next, 15 years of my life, without a doubt, I pretty much played exclusively Fender Stratocasters. And then mm. I slowly began to expand my my understanding of what the guitar could do and sit in different sounds and mm. how, you know, you can only get a certain set of sounds out of a P90 or a single coil or a humbucker or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then I, start, I really started to branch out at that point. And now... I'll be honest in saying, I, I, uh, matter of fact, in my own personal set and in the set that I do with, with my, my band Texas Hill, there is maybe two spots out of the entire set, uh, or one spot in each set where I play a Stratocaster and the rest of it isn't. So it just goes to show you, you know, yeah, you know, you, just cause, and, and I have nothing against them. It's just that I find myself using it less and less. Mm-hmm. Um, I still love them and I still, you know, absolutely love playing them, but you know, it, I started one way and now I'm in a whole different place and I think a lot of folks do it that way, but I could be wrong. Well, that's the, you know, that's just kind of the path of a, of a guitar player, especially somebody that's really into it, into the guitar. It's like, you know what, in the beginning you, you hear things a certain way and you want a certain sound and you're trying to follow something specific, but as you grow, as a player and you know and as your influences change and expand i should say not change but expand well all that all that kind of changes and the next thing you know you know you got you know an entire basement full of guitars and, <laughs> right <laughs> you, you nailed it i mean like yeah. a great example of that is before my not the record that i just released um but the, the prior record called strip it down i maybe two or three years before that i had discovered um, and I was very late to the game, a, a fellow named Sean Costello. And mm-hmm. if you've ever heard of him or uh, listened to him, and I recommend him uh, as far as anybody listening, uh, maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest, blues artists of all time, in my opinion, yeah. is playing, is singing, is writing the whole thing. And we lost him early, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, but I, I was turned on to him and, after listening for like 10 seconds, I'm like, I gotta know what this guy's playing through. Uh, and that's what led me into the, P- the world of P90s. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, like you said, your, your influences expand and then your taste in terms of what you're playing expands. And I, I'm, uh, you know, still to this day doing that consistently and, uh, and just finding new ways to, to make things sound different. Most of it's in the hands. I think any guitar player will tell you, but, oh, yeah. um, you know, but uh, it's it's still fun to experiment with sounds and find new things. And for me, it was as much about allowing me to play in a different way. You know, when I go to a different instrument, like a different set of pickups or a different amp or whatever, it's as much about what it's doing for me on my end as it is what it's doing for the people that are hearing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you play differently. I, I can play and make different sounds and do different things. 
you know, on a humbucker than I can on a single coil. And that goes for everybody. And so mm-hmm. having fun with it and learning where to go, like that's as important for me as the actual sound that I'm getting out front is. So, yeah, it's, it's, it seems like, you know, really great players, talented players. They it doesn't matter what the guitar is. I mean, let's, let's just step back. If, if you watch, you know, uh, Bonamassa or David Gilmore or somebody like, doesn't matter what kind of guitar, whether it's a telly or a, Les Paul or a Strat, they sound like themselves. That's exactly right. They sound like themselves, and it doesn't matter if they're in a pawn shop and they pick up a guitar and, and an amp and they do something. It's going to sound. It's going to sound like them to some degree because, well, like you said a minute ago, it's really in the player's hands. It is. I don't yeah. know what it is. I, there's some sort of physical yeah. th- reason. I mean, maybe the, the and I mean this like the crazy. It sounds crazy, but like I've thought about it extensively, and I think to myself. Maybe it's the density of your fingers and the intensity with which you hold the string down, and then the, the intensity and the, and the style and the the, the 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 amount of skin that rakes the string on the right hand. If you're a right, you know, if you're a right-handed player, or the way you hold your pick, or the amount of pick that, that goes, and how deep you play the string. I mean, all of these things are as important to determine your specific sound. As anything, and maybe even, and to be really honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, more so, because it is absolutely true that if I listen to, you know, uh, name a guitar player, it doesn't matter, pick up a guitar off the, off the, the rack in the store and plug it into some random amp, they still sound like themselves. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes as to how important it is in terms of like you gaining your sound. I mean, it's really all, it really is all in the hands. It's a, it, I've played, I can't even tell you what amps I used on my last records. It's just kind of like whatever was closest at the time. And I would never know the difference between me playing through any one group of amps or any one particular amp that I have because the sound, you know, is more influenced by my hands and the way that you're playing than, than yeah. the amp that you're playing through, as far as I'm concerned, anyways. Right. Well, I, I completely agree with that, you know. It's definitely the case. I mean, look at I've seen I've seen guys like uh, you know Robin Ford, for instance, and that I you know I've been around Robin and he's playing through his rig and he sounds just like you would expect him to sound. And then I've been around him where you know he's plugging into something completely different with a completely different guitar and he still sounds like Robin. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think we've solved this mystery here, Casey. <laughs> You know what I mean? That's why it's fu- it's funny to me when you know, especially uh, anybody that's playing for quite a while, they never really talk to that talk to me about stuff like that. I, I, unless it's just simply out of curiosity and trying to make conversation. But the younger players always want to know, well, what amp, what pedals, right? And that's all cool. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a passion for that because it's it's really nice to be able to hear a tone and then emulate a tone and base things off of you know. Yeah, starting point and getting, trying to get somewhere. All that's really fun. It's enjoyable. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, it, it, if you can plug into so and so's rig and not sound like so and so, and it doesn't matter yeah. who you are, it doesn't matter how, who so and so is, generally speaking, you know, the gear doesn't make the sound. It's the person that's making the sound. Yeah. You know what? And, and this is a really cool conversation to have with you because. You know, forgive me for saying this, you know, because I, I'm a fan. Okay. I want you to know I'm a fan in that it from, from, from looking at you, you know, as an artist 
from a distance and having this conversation, this is nothing that, you know, you would really expect. And what I mean by that is, no, no, what I mean by that is, is that sometimes you don't re- realize how passionate people are about gear and about playing and, and things of that nature, you know, uh, from a distance, because all you see them is as a, as an artist. Give, right. you, give you a good for example, I was talking to George Thorogood one time, you know, and he's George Thorogood, so you figure, you know, the guy's got to love the guitar, right? He's, right. he's probably made a, a bazillion dollars playing it, and, you know, he's played all over the world. And so I just asked him straight out, George, you know what I mean? Are, are you passionate about the guitar? Do you really love playing guitar? And he goes, eh, not so much. You know, it's like I've always wow. just, I've been a fan of the song. You know, it's about, it's about the song and I've never really been into gear and things like that. And I would have never thought that in a million years, but I've ran across guys like that that are more focused on, you know, the business of things and creating a great song. And, you know, they're not so into, you know, having, you know, 250 pedals and 60 guitars and talking in depth about. You know, See, I've went, I've went through that, and it doesn't mean that I don't love it. I will say this, but it's definitely, and you, he, you hit on something that I very much relate to in regards to um, music. It's just, it's about the music, it's about the song, it's about what you know. This is why I, you know, somebody says, "Well, what are you playing?" I go, "Well, whatever the song needs." Yeah, I don't define myself by playing one instrument or one set of pedals, and I think most people. Or a lot of people that I know, you know, do it that way. I do very much respect it when somebody has their thing and they just wedge that thing into whatever the song is because then it's extremely identifiable all the time. Whereas you might listen to me play, uh, you know, a country music solo, um, and it might sound like, you know, super twangy telly. And you turn around and then I'm doing something you know, uh, that's more rock and roll and maybe I'm playing a Les Paul with, you know, crazy intense, uh, humbuckers or something, you know, uh, I'm just going to go whatever the, the, the song needs. Almost kind of like the approach that like a studio musician would take inside of a, you know, yeah. uh, make it a record of, of some artist that they were working for that day. It's like, look, what does this call for? That's what I'm going to do as opposed to I'm going to do what I do and then work it into every song. Um, and there's nothing wrong with either of those approaches. I'm not down on either of them because I've done them both. But these days I find myself wanting to just go wherever the song, you know, is requiring me to go uh, melodically and tone-wise and all of those different things uh, as far as a guitar goes. Yeah, well, that that speaks volumes, you know, about you as a, as an artist and as a musician because, you know, there's a lot of people that don't. You know what I mean? They 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 try, they try to they try to jam that square peg in that round hole, and uh, it doesn't always it doesn't always come out right. And it seems to yeah. me like you know a lot of the guys that I've met that have really longevity in this are people that are centered around the song. Yeah, you know it's crazy though because yeah. I mean I can name you some of my, my most favorite guitar players of all time, and they are just absolutely capable of taking what they do and putting it in anything and making it work like you know i don't you know jimmy vaughn has a very obvious tone to me like meaning obvious as in like i always know that it's him right um stevie ray same thing you know i can name uh like doyle bram hall the second uh i could name you a million that i think that just do it and you know bb king you know whatever johnny winter all these cats that they just that was their sound 
and like listen to the David Bowie uh, record yeah. where Stevie played with him. That's just it's like you got all this crazy stuff, and then all of a sudden you got bam, 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 bam. He's doing the Freddie <laughs> King riff with his tone, you know. And it's like, right. but it somehow works, and you know, I think. Uh, there are players that can do it flawlessly, and I respect the, the heck out of that. But for me, um, I just don't do it that way. And I, I don't. I mean, maybe I did in the, in the beginning, but uh, who knows? You could, I, grow, could grow, you could grow into it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe, you know maybe I mean? you know. I mean, when I'm mentioning these guys, they're all very well known, extremely top notch, you know, guitar right. players. And I would never consider myself that on any level. I'm just a you know, an artist that can, you know, a musician that can play the guitar and sing, and I just do what I do. I don't uh, put myself on anywhere close to that level. And anybody that plays guitar would be like, yeah, he shouldn't. I do what I do. It's a, it's a very small piece of the pie that, of the knowledge that I have in regards to what's available out there musically. So, But, again, you, know, you get comfortable and you find out who you are and what you prefer, and that's and that's where I live musically. It doesn't mean I'm not consistently trying to expand, but I'm not concerned with, uh, you know, I don't think of it that way. I just think it's like, look, I'm, I, I, I like hearing these notes. And so I'm going to play these notes. I don't second guess myself. And if I stay, if I play a solo and the minor pentatonic and hang out there all day long, I don't have an issue with that where a lot of players, you know, would judge that and go, Oh, that's just the, that's just the go-to notes. And I'm going, well, doesn't mean they're bad notes. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's bad. Right. It just means you got taste. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I'd like to sell it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when you listen to your songs though, like off this, this new album, the new album's called, if you don't know by now, right. Uh-huh. If you if you listen to some of the solos that you do, because you, you're not you're not uh, you're not overplaying or you know showboating in any way, shape, or form, it, it really feels like what you're doing is meant to fit that moment in that song. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. that was the goal. You know, I did. Yeah. I'd, I'd much rather be accused of underplaying than overplaying. I'm, I think it's a lot of fun. I watched a, a, a lot of shows where somebody kind of guitar sharked me. You know, I'm sitting there and I listen and it's just phenomenal all the way through the show. Somewhere along the way, they open up a can of just what in the world. And I go, well, that's cool. Not only can they do that, but they they don't feel the need to do it in every song. Yeah. Um, there's nothing more impressive for me, uh, just as a guitar player, you know, on that level. Nothing is more impressive than that because I find... Historically, in my life and the experiences that I've, I've had, if somebody can do it, they're gonna do it. Yeah, they're just gonna. It's impossible for them not to. They just they, even if it's just one little bee beady here or there, like you know, it's like really long, great notes where it's a BB King approach or a you know relaxed you know thing, and then all of a sudden it's gonna be you know, <laughs> and I go, well, well, that's awesome that you can do that. I mean, I'm, I swear to you, I'm impressed by it physically. It's just not something that I personally enjoy enough that, that I ever wanted to search and, and really do it. it. The faster that I play on a personal level, the less I generally uh, like it. <laughs> you know, so I, I do my best to slow down and 
be a little bit more conservative in my approach and uh you know and i like i said I'd, I'd much rather do that than have somebody be like gosh this dude won't stop playing you know yeah yeah well, but it's, it's just it's just a different approach you know? that you know that's the this is just my opinion that's the draw to eric clapton absolutely that's the draw to him you know when i look at him as a player that's what I get out of it. Like this guy can just play a few notes and he can make those few notes amazing and they fit the song. Yep. That's it. You know? Yeah. You don't need to do anything else yeah. than, you know, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's also the young bull versus the old bull on the top of the hill. I don't know if you know that joke, but it's not podcast friendly. So <laughs> we won't tell it, but. But it's, it's, it's a young, younger versus a little bit more experienced approach. A lot of times I, I feel like as a younger guy, I kind of wanted to just get out there and be like, take this, you know, like right. I'm about to show everybody. I'm going to show the world, you know, and there's nothing, again, nothing wrong with that approach. But now I'm kind of like, eh, you know, yeah. I know there's a, it doesn't matter how shred fate, just, just shred fest city, how many millions of notes I could play inside of a second. You know, or, or, you know, Eric Gale's type crazy, just uh, from another world, insane guitar playing. Uh, there's always going to be somebody that can one up you. And so, yeah, I just kind of got out of the mindset of, of just whipping it out, so to speak, every now and then. It, it's like, man, let me just do whatever the song calls for and, uh, and, uh, you know, and let it be. And that, there's a, there's a peace and a comfort that comes about when, when I hit, for, for me personally, when I hit that level of just saying, this is kind of my style and I like it and I, and I feel comfortable with it and it gets the job done. You know, if there's a space where I can't get the job done, then I'll just either learn to do what I need to, what I think needs to be there or if I can't, which I, I don't like saying that I can't, so I just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just learn, I'll learn what I need to do and do it. But at this point, very rarely, have I experienced that? Um, I wish I experienced it more because what that means is that I'm thinking outside of the boundaries of what I currently am thinking of. And that's a place that I'd like to kind of consistently be, which would push me to learn more and more every day. And I do. Um, but it's just a, yeah. you know, once you've listened to something so much, it's hard for your brain to think outside of those boundaries. And that's one of the things that I work on kind of consistently is to like grow and expand my my go-tos i think that's probably the most important thing as a guitar player for me you know yeah to no, do. no that's that's actually smart so uh so what kind of time i mean i understand right now with with the way things are you know a lot of people have a lot of time now um some people not so much i guess but um because there's not a lot of a lot of shows to be done you know right, right. now and stuff so but because i know when 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 somebody's out on the road and they're playing and that they don't have time to really practice or develop themselves or work on specific things because their live show is their practice really i mean they're honing their craft while they're doing it live but now you know i mean do you spend a lot of time you know just with the guitar just playing or I wish I, I wish I had more time to spend. I've got three kids, so when I'm at home. I got it. You know, I'm a little bit more, uh. Your dad. Exactly, you know, yeah. and then when you're on the road. In the beginning, I will say this, and if this could be, 
I actually despise it. I'm about to say this, but it's just a simple truth. It's like when I was younger, before I had kind of the ability to go tour, say, you know, outside of my hometown. So like right now I could go play a show in, you know, Chicago and I could put some people in some seats and play a show. And, and that's a, so for me, when I was younger and I was doing it on a level where it was kind of like, I don't want to say it didn't matter, but no one was video, you know, recording me and posting it up on YouTube, every single song that I played every moment of every song. So I was able to shoot for the stars and, and I did every consistently every night I push myself and I would just almost kind of just be like, I'm just going to just make things work. You know, if I had a wrong note, I was just, I was just putting myself in a consistently uncomfortable position but it, it, it completely ramped up my playing because mm-hmm. every single night I would make something new work and then I would have that in my bag of tricks and then the next night I might, you know, uh, find, you know, go to that lick that I messed around with the day before and really work it in and get comfortable with it. So on and so forth. Now I find myself not wanting to take those chances because I know that everything that I do is going to be out there for people to see for the rest of my days. And so that puts a kind of pressure on me that just personally, I don't do well with. So I go, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk hitting a wrong note. If everyone in the world is going to see it where I'll be honest and saying, if I were a little bit less concerned with, with that side of things, with, you know, a wrong note being out there, then I would continuously just be shooting for the stars. And I know, that's really what I should be doing, but I just can't. I can't. I can't. Find, I can't push myself to make mistakes in a live scenario when I've got you know an audience of whatever. I mean, whether it's a hundred people or ten thousand people, I know it's going to be on the internet for the remainder of my life. So <laughs> I'm going. Well, I'd love to try that new riff that I learned yesterday, but nah, I don't feel quite comfortable enough. You know. Yeah. And uh, that's just me being a little bit scared. Maybe if we ever do another podcast in here in like, you know, five or ten years, maybe you'll hear me tell a different story. But, um, you know, that's where I find myself at these days, which kind of prohibits you experimenting and learning in a way that I feel like is probably really good for any artist. Um, but that just that reflects the time that we're in. I don't think many people are out there exploring live. Like, I feel like if I listen to Jimi Hendrix, it was, you never know where he's going because he was always experimenting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I find that it kind of makes music a little bit more interesting. So maybe I'm, maybe I need to focus more on doing that. I don't know, but that's where I'm at currently. Yeah. Now I was reading in your bio that there was one year where you did 364 shows out of 365 days. That's actually under, that's not actually true. So I'll, okay. I'll tell you, it's, I, I played that many days, but a lot of those days on the weekends, I did two or three shows. So oh, it was probably it. more like 500 shows. Um, now that wasn't, again, that's not a national, you talk about doing 500 shows nationally, you don't sleep, you know, I mean, right. you're not going to be home and you're never going to sleep. I was doing those locally. I got it. Like in the Texas area. So I was able to, now granted they were four and five hour shows, so I'm not taking anything away from doing it, but I got to sleep in my own bed pretty much every one of those nights. You right. Know? That's still um, a lot though. 
Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I mean, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. Because I was just thankful to have work. Yeah. And um, what I was doing was subbing and filling in. I mean, I, I had my own thing. I did an acoustic thing. I did a blues thing. I did a rock thing. I did yeah. a Texas country thing. And then I was just playing guitar for people or mandolin or, you know, doing background vocals or lead singing, whatever I could be doing. I mean, it was that was it. It was my life. And so I didn't have any kids, didn't have anything keeping me from saying yes to anything. So I was just trying to fill in every day with as much work as I could. And yeah. I think the year leading up into that was a really good one. And so by the time the, the, the first of the year hit, I was at a place where I was booking, you know, two or three months out. And then if something fell through, then I had a network of musicians and artists that I could call and I'd be like, hey, man, you know, my gig on Friday canceled. You know, do you know anybody that needs anybody or any any place that you know needs music or whatever? I'll do an acoustic. I'll fill in. I'll, I'll sub for somebody. So I was able to just stay busy. And, um, yeah. you know, one thing led to another. And when I looked back, I mean, I used to keep – this is – keep in mind this would have been – 12, 13 years ago, mm. I didn't have a computer, didn't have tea, I didn't have anything. So I had a, a physical calendar that I bought from, I think, Walmart. You know, one of those, uh, it might have been like a dog calendar or something. You know, <laughs> got the days on it. And I would just write in with a, you know, with a marker, uh, you know, Cowtown, Sports Bar, you know, Eight Balls, uh, J, JJ's Blues Bar, uh, the Keys Lounge, whatever it was, whatever it was. Just write it down. And then at the end of the year, I looked back through just kind of like doing a recap. And I'm like, holy crap, every single day was booked. Yeah. Except for Christmas Eve, every single day. Yeah. You know, uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing. And then I realized, you know, I didn't even do the math because I had to went through 365 days and count up the gigs. You know, <laughs> like, right. I'm not going to do it. There was no reason for me to do that at the time. I just remember looking through and singing and going, wow, I did it. You know, I played literally. I, I had a real job. I played every day, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually know what that's like because, uh, you know, when I started playing myself, it finally got – because I'm in Chicago, the Chicago area. And so when it got to the, the to an actual band, my drummer was actually playing with Buddy Guy at the time. And so uh, I would go up there and I would hang out with him. And he was in the house band at Buddy Guy's Legends – with yeah. with Junior Wells guitar player George Bays and the guy who plays bass right now for Buddy uh, Orlando Wright. So all these cats were there. And so the next thing you know, you know, you're hanging out at all these Chicago venues and you're sitting in with all these different people, which like in your situation just leads to all these gigs. Yep. You know what I mean? You got your own thing going or you might have two or three bands you're in that are yours and then you're filling in with so-and-so and sitting in with this guy over here and... It's yeah, crazy. that's that has always been one of the most fun, and I could say this, yeah. you know, for anybody that's that's listening to this, I can tell this is one of my favorite things about when you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing and you have a passion for it. One thing will always lead to another thing mm -hmm. if you're doing it right. You know what I'm saying? Like I always knew that I was on the right path because I play a show, and from that show, I get two more shows. And then I'd play one of those shows and I'd get three more shows out of that. So by the time, you know, you just continuously are gaining steam. And for me, that's an indicator, you know, like, I mean, at the time I didn't realize that I just assumed that was, that was life. Like that to kind of took it for granted. And I didn't realize how much of a, 
of an indicator it was, but I find myself these days, you know, looking at what people are doing or what I'm doing, and I go, well, it's just very easy to see and recognize, you know, what what you're supposed to be doing because if if you're doing the right thing, I feel like, you know, when you do that thing, people are going to come up to you. Some something will come from a show. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's an interview or maybe it's a, a podcast or maybe you make a new friend and that friend plays and you learn licks from the friend or maybe the friend has a friend and they have a venue and <laughs> they book shows at such and such and then you play that place and they go, oh, we need a house band and so now you have a house. It's like, it's always snowballing, you know, and, you know, I think that only happens if, if there's a passion and a calling, you know, if I tried to go out and, uh, I don't care what it is, you know, pick something. If I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to do, you know, uh, trimming carpentry, right? Okay. I'm going to go do that. I could do the first thing and then nothing comes from it. And I go, well, okay. You know, and I'm not saying that it always has to, but I feel like that's just such a strong indicator that you're in the right thing. You're doing the right thing. It's like, if you see that happening, you're doing the right thing yeah. because it doesn't happen when it's not supposed to. And it doesn't happen when there's not a passion and a, and a true talent and calling. I don't think, um, you know, I, I say this a lot because I'm, I'm every sentence that I state that I say in my life pretty much has a question mark at the end of it. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not vain enough to think that I think it's so it's, it, it is, it's just, these are my thoughts, but, you know, hey, that's why we're doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, so I got to ask you. You know, I don't want to keep you much longer because, man, you've been really gracious so far. I've, oh I've, man, I'm, I'm I'm happy to talk, man. I'm sitting in my office. I'm happy to not be staring at a computer screen. Yeah, and actually talking to somebody, especially somebody that has a passion for music. So no worries, man. Cool. So you got to tell me about this new project you have, this new band, Texas Hill. Well, it's a uh, it's a really cool thing, man. So I, I can see, like, it, from an outside perspective, even some people that know me, they're like, well, what a great idea, you know, putting, you know, um, putting these, these people together. Um, but it really came about in a, in a super organic way, which is, I mean, for Nashville, uh, <laughs> uh, it's just a very different approach uh, than I think a lot of people would assume that it is. It, I, uh, I ran into a friend of mine, uh, named Craig Wayne Boyd at a, some sort of an event in, uh, in town and we got to chit chat and he reminded me and does to this day a lot of my older brother and that's a wonderful, wonderful compliment that, that, uh, that only, uh, that I, that only I know the full extent of, but because my brother's one of the greatest guys that I've ever known. Anyways, uh, we got, got to chit chatting and found out we were both from Texas and, and we just had a blast and he invited me over for dinner with our families and I brought the kids and he's got kids and our wives somehow grew up close to each other in, in the Los Angeles area. And he and I grew up 50 miles apart in Texas and never really knew each other, but just, we had a lot of wacko, crazy coincidence type things happening. And, uh, we were just having a blast and we, we were sitting around and, uh, he had some guitars in the front room and after dinner we got, we got loose and I started picking and grinning and, and he came in and we started singing together and we're doing harmonies and I said, man, this has been a real blast. And, 
and we kind of started hanging out. And then one day he said, man, I would love to do like a vocal, like a band type thing, like a vocal group where we sing harmonies and we swap out singing. And, uh, I said, well, that'd, that'd be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm making records and I got my own thing going on and I'll always continue to do that. But to do something like that would be, would absolutely be a blast. And I go, well, you know, he goes, well, man, I, I think I got a third guy that would be perfect. And, um, and he introduced me to a cat named Adam Wakefield, who is just a phenomenal, phenomenal musician and, uh, killer voice, extremely unique. All three of us actually have very, very different tonal, uh, you know, characteristics to our voices. And we all hear harmonies. We all can do it. And so, uh, that came about in that way, just very organic. I met up with Adam and, uh, and Craig and we just hit it off immediately. We're laughing. We're joking. And then over the course of the next, I don't know, few weeks, we finally got together. And we played a song and legitimately the moment that we sang together, cause we had worked out, okay, you're gonna sing high, you know, a harmony, I'll sing low, this is, or whoever, whatever. And as soon as we sang the song, and we didn't know this until later when we were doing interviews, but every one of us, that was the moment where we kind of said, well, well, this is something we want to spend time and effort on. Yeah. And since then, it's, it's actually really blown up. I mean, there's been, uh, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how well it's doing and it's just an absolute blast for me. And now I've got this kind of, I just kept assuming, and then I've said this to the guys because I think it's really funny is that somebody would blow it. Like somebody would quit, you know, ego would get too big or it'd be too hard to work with, you know, three lead men, but it's exactly the opposite. We're at, we're at a space in our lives, I think, where we really relish and love sharing the spotlight for so many different reasons. Uh, we don't have enough ego to keep us from being, uh, you know, we we're easy to work to, you know, work with all of us. We're learning from each other on a, on a musical level, on a show level, on a personal level. I've grown as a human being. I've grown as a musician. It's pushing me in a good way, um, out of my comfort zone, making me strive to be better not only for my sake, but for their sake. And it's just been, it's just been a blast, man. It's, it's, it's more than I ever thought it would be. And, uh, and like I said, now I'm in this position where I'm trying to balance the two because I, I, man, I just released a record that I've, I've never been more proud of anything, but at the same time, I just released an EP with Texas Hill that <laughs> is phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely great. And I love being able to sit back and do, you know, harmonies, and play, just play lead guitar. We've got a killer, you know, rhythm player that plays with us live, and he's, and he's, I say rhythm player, he's playing rhythm. He can play circles around me in terms of, you know, lead guitar, but, you know, um, it is, uh, it's a project that I, that I absolutely love, and I know, you know, I'm gonna do it as long as we possibly can. And it's a lot of fun. And so now, like I said, I'm, I'm in this weird cross crossroads where it's like, well, I don't know, you know, how it's a great problem to have, but I don't know how I'm going to balance the two. But, uh, you know, life will teach me as, as things move forward and um, I'll learn it. But there's so much, so much time and effort over the last 
really two and a half years has gone into what is just now beginning to bear fruit. You know, to have a number one record, um, you know, for, for the iTunes charts uh, for like a week, and then to you know to have my record chart on the on Billboard, and the same for Texas Hill has been crushing it, and we're just it's just tons of it's just tons of uh, really wonderful things that are coming out of you know, two and a half years of, of nonstop work with nothing to show for it. You know, <laughs> that's our job and that's the way that it goes. I think anybody that doesn't, that doesn't do it for a living doesn't really understand that it's, it's feast or famine. Right. And uh, it's a, it was tough this go around because right around the time I, I got my, uh, you know, my, my, um, my knife and fork in my hand and my, the, uh, in my bib on, I was about to have the feast and then, Boom! COVID hits, and you're you're in famine again. So yeah. it was a, a lot of time and effort, and a lot of buildup, just to be kind of deflated. And so just now, getting the music out and being able to go from time to time in these very isolated and contained situations that we're playing in mm-hmm. terms of live music, you know, just finally getting to do that um, is the biggest blessing that I've had in, in a very long time. So it's. Talk about a, a good place to be, man. I'm, I'm definitely sitting on top of the world currently, just th- just being thankful for being able to play live music and having the music go get out there, and it's doing really well. I mean, the reviews that I've gotten, yeah, uh, and we just now are getting that feedback and, and whatnot, but it's just been it's been really great because I can love a record all day long, but if the people that that like my music and want to hear it, and you know the rest of the world for that matter thinks it's a you know second dude uh, doo-doo then it's it doesn't matter what i think you know because nobody's gonna want to hear it (laughs) you have to walk that line between going well i don't care what anybody thinks well i mean that can be true but you also kind of have to care because unless you want to play your music to nobody in your garage somebody has to like what you're doing (laughs) and i'm thankful that you know so far it seems that everybody really gets the new the new record and gets what i'm doing with texas hill and we collectively, each of those guys has had their own personal careers and done very well. And so it seems as though everybody's really enjoying what we're doing as a group as well. And so we, we haven't seen a lot of drop off. Like people that like me like Texas Hill. People that like Craig like Texas Hill. People that like Adam like Texas Hill. Yeah. So you kind of catching, catching everybody. There's, there's some folks that really prefer me doing just what I do in terms of like blues and whatnot. But if you go to a Texas Hill show, I'm pretty much guaranteed to do some sort of a slow blues or a shuffle or something because, you know, we just love doing music and playing. So it's kind of a best case scenario for me. And I, I'm almost reluctant to talk about it because it's one of those, I just, you know, knock on wood and just say I'm blessed and thankful to, to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So do you think that once, uh, things open back up here, probably, I would say probably next year sometime, you probably plan on touring with, with both acts, you know, do some of your own yeah. stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to try and not block because I mean, it's, it's on every level. It's, it's just, I, I hate to say it. I've been doing my solo thing for so long that it's just really enjoyable to do a group thing. Yeah. Meaning if I have the choice between the two currently right now in my position at this point in my life, I tend to lean towards doing a Texas Hill show. But that doesn't mean 
you know, that I'm not going to be out there doing my own thing because I, I, I absolutely have to have that outlet. But, um, with where I'm at right now, you know, and obviously if you're talking about the thing that nobody ever wants to talk about, which is the elephant in the room called money, you know, if you're splitting, uh, payment between three guys as opposed to just taking it and putting it in your bank account, the money's never as good, um, if you're splitting it up, but I, I don't worry about that because God's always taken care of me and I, I, you know, I've got more than I ever thought I'd have. Uh, you know, I own a, I mean, I have a house, so I'm right. safe. <laughs> the wind and rain can't get to me in here, so I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I don't, I don't really shoot for a lot. Uh, I'm just, I feel blessed to do what I do for a living. So I kind of, my joy comes from that and being a father and being, trying to be a good friend and good family man and those type of things. And, you know, so. Uh, if it were if we're down to to money, then I would certainly just be booking solo shows. But man, the, the amount of fun that you can have, you know, uh, seems to be a little bit more for me with Texas Hill right now. And that's because you're sharing you're sharing it all. You know, there's a camaraderie, a brotherhood that you don't necessarily have when you hire, you know, what I like to call mercenaries, you know, to play shows with you. Because I mean. If I'm not out there consistently, I can't have a band that's dedicated to only me. Right. Because they got, they got to make a living too. They got family and they got, friends, you know, they got things to do and bills to pay. Yep. So, you know, at that point, you're just hiring somebody for a set of dates or one off or whatever. And when you do it like that, there's not a sense of, it's just a, it's just a, it's a job for that person. They're saying, I'm going to come in. I'm going to be a pro. I'm going to knock it out. We're going to have a good show. It's going to be a good time. Then I'm going to go back home and I'm going to, do whatever else it is that I do. And that's not at all it. When I'm with Texas Hill, it's we're these guys are dedicated as much as I am to making this thing work. So you're sharing the ups, you're sharing the downs, you're sharing all of those moments that you don't really have anybody to share with in your solo career. Cause something phenomenal happens in my solo career. You know, I can tell my wife and my family and friends, but something amazing happens with Texas Hill not only am I freaking out, but the guys in the band are freaking out too, in a good way, you know? So yeah. it's just a little bit more of a, and like I said, it just comes at a time in my life where I feel like uh, I really need that. You know, I really need to, to get back into feeling the joy and the ups and downs. And, you know, because uh, that's a big part of, of the fun of doing what I do, you know? Yeah. Well, a lot of great people have done that, you know, over time. You got to have that outlet. You yeah. Know? You got to have that outlet. You know? Going to where music will, wants you to go. That's really it. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time where I, w- I was not able to do that legally. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't just make, make a record that I wanted to make. I mean, right now, I literally have plans for three more records, and I and I very much intend on achieving the next, within the next two two to three years max, making all those records. And that's not including the Texas Hill stuff, which I know that we'll probably make another, we'll, we'll finish a full length record in the next six months. And then we're going to be doing, we'll be working on the next one. So within the next three years, you're probably looking at five different records for me. And that's, that would be an impossibility in my previous situation. If I had a label, you know, if I told them yeah. I was going to do an acoustic record, you know, or a straight blues record, like, you know, uh, like Light and Hopkins style or something, I mean, they would, they'd laugh at me. It'd be a joke. There's no way they'd let me do it. Right. And so I've spent a long time positioning myself and maybe even turning down things that other people 
might uh, think were, you know, major blessings. But I did all that so that I could be right where I'm at. And I have to remember that because, you know, as I sit here, I'm going, I, I actually have the ability to follow my passion, follow my heart, and make the music that I want to make with, with no one to answer to. And that's a position that, and, and to actually have people that know who I am and want to listen to it. Talking about best of, best of all the worlds. Um, granted, would never hurt to have a larger audience. That, that, that's certainly a, <laughs> a, you know, a prayer of mine, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm not mad at it. You know, I've got people that are, you know, across the world wanting to hear. And, uh, and that's a, that's a huge blessing. And I don't say it in a cocky manner. I just say it in a matter of fact, like I'm, I feel really lucky that that's the case, you know, and I am lucky. I mean, there's a million people that do what I do that have just as much talent, um, or more, uh, in most cases more, <laughs> but I certainly know that I have a passion uh, for it and I'm, and I'm thankful for it. And I do my best to respect the gifts you know, somebody, one thing that no one can say of me is like, well, that guy doesn't appreciate what he's got because yeah. I certain, I certainly do. I, I really do. And I even, I even acknowledge the fact that while I appreciate as much as I do, I still, I'm sure I'll look back and still feel like I was taking it for granted, even as much as I try to soak it in and absorb and be thankful and acknowledging all the blessings. You just can't ever be out of your bubble enough to, to truly understand how lucky you are. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think about that a lot, and it helps me to be a better person and a better musician. Honestly, yeah. Well, I tell you what, it has. This has been a, a treat for me, Casey. Oh man, right back at you. I, it has. I uh, I feel like I talked your ear off, but maybe that's <laughs> what the goal is. <laughs> yeah, no, it kind of is. You know what? People always ask me, "Well, how much time do you need?" How much time do you need? I never tell them because once you get on the phone with them, who knows? Right? <laughs> I, I was on the phone with, I don't know if you know who uh, uh, Jamie uh, Glazer is. Jamie played guitar for Chick Corea and John Luke Ponte and John Anderson and, you know, a bunch oh, of. Oh, cool. Yeah, he, he's a serious player, right? He does a lot of stuff for TV and that too. We got on the phone and we started talking and it was two and a half hours later. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, we got to get going here. <laughs> so, hey, man, I'm I'm not joking. This is and this is absolute truth. Somebody one time said, "Well, you know, tell me, you know, they asked me a question, and it was revolving around, you know, it was regarding like the music industry, and this was a new artist, and they've since gone on to do really great things. Uh, I won't mention names here, but I said, I go, man, how much time do you have? And he goes, well, I got all night. And I was like, well. You just made a mistake, bro. <laughs> get yourself, <laughs> get yourself a drink. And I'm not joking. Yeah. I sat there for five hours. Oh my telling, lord! Telling this dude everything that I could about the industry, the ups and downs, the way that you know, the way that things go, the way that things can go, you know. And obviously, just keeping in mind that uh, you know this was my experience alone and the things that I had you know seen and perceived on, in my head. But I feel like. The music industry is one of those things that the, the ins and outs and uh, on, there's just so many different levels of it. So I could easily talk for days, you know, yeah. and I try to rein myself in because I get going. I've got a lot of feelings. I think anytime somebody is passionate about something, yeah, at least somebody that, that you know, yeah. isn't afraid of talking, uh, they can get going. And I, I'm certainly one of those people, man, I can, I could sit here and as you tell, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
just go on and on and on. I try to I try to limit myself, but it, I, it's it's tough. We're gonna we're gonna I, do a, a special show sometime next year, and we're gonna we're gonna do it as a competition. Okay, and we're gonna talk the longest. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put you up against Steve Lukather. Okay, because I, I this is no lie. I said I said, "Hey, Steve, how you doing?" And then he talked for an hour and twenty minutes and didn't stop. No, no kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, this is when I had an actual radio show. The engineer's going, oh, my God, we're out of time. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm like, keep rolling, keep rolling. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, hopefully I, I rein myself in. I'll tell you one thing. I get I get really bad. Like if I've had coffee or something, I'll, I'll, I'll get going, and I'm like, oh, my God. In my head, there's a, there's a voice that's telling me while I'm speaking, the voice in my head's going, hey, man, uh, he asked a question like five minutes ago, and you've been talking. And my mouth is still going. I'm going, crap, where do I get out of this? Where do I get off of this train? I need to stop talking. <laughs> nah, man, it's been a blast. It has. You know, it's been really easy to talk to you. It's really cool. Some, You know, it's it's nice to talk to somebody that is passionate about what they do because then it's just an effortless conversation. Yeah, totally. You know I what I mean? That. So it's been really cool. I, I, th- I think you're a very talented guy. I'm going to tell you, you know, my wife and I, we voted for you on American Idol. Hey, thanks, man. <laughs> That's, you know what? It's in the beginning. I, I, I don't think that, I don't think that actually meant, it means as much or more to me now, believe it or not, even though it's less relevant than ever in my life. Yeah. But it's, it means more to me now because I do realize, and I say that in terms of like it being relevant to my, to my situation today, but it's more relevant than anything. Because yeah. I wouldn't be talking to you on the phone. Like, literally, if that's the case, then you and your wife might have manifested this moment happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I recognize that now more than ever. So it literally gives me chills when somebody says, I voted for you. I'm going, well, you might have changed my life. Like, I wouldn't have my three children. I wouldn't have my wife. I would, you know, I would not yeah. have toured with, you know, Taylor Swift and, and all these crazy things that I've done in my life wouldn't have happened if it weren't for that so it means a lot to me and I really mean that thank that's you cool. that's cool that's cool it really yeah, is man. well you know I love the album I do and I like the new project a thank lot you. and I think you're a very talented guy in that and uh, I just wish you all the best well thanks man and I uh, I'm glad you enjoy the new record I, I've uh, it was a it was a weird deal, man. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, the the journey, you know, we could do a different podcast, a different day, but I'll tell you, try and keep it in a nutshell. Strip it down se- seemed like a very linear path for me. Like it was like it was like a California highway, you know, like six lane road, perfectly paved, no no traffic. It was just go. You know, you can see the destination and you make it happen. And then when I made and, and I love the record and I've loved it since I made it. And it definitely defines me in a very large way. Whereas, if you don't know by now, it was just a, just a, just perilous, treacherous journey from day one and where I was just doubting. And, and all of that came from me just getting out of my, my, my safe spot in the walls and the, you know, places that I had built for myself, like the box that I was putting myself in. I was eclipsing that based on where I was in my life and, being honest and, and letting the music reflect who I am, where I am at the time that I'm there. And because of that, man, it was a, it was a nerve wracking journey. I, it, you know, from day one. Um, and, but at, at the end of the day, listening to the record, 
I've never been more proud of anything, and I think the record is is absolutely exactly what it needs to be. So to hear somebody tell me that they enjoy it is uh, it means means the world. So I'm I'm glad you're digging it, man. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about covering your song "Real" in my band. Oh, that'd be amazing, dude! <laughs> Please do. It's a cool one. You'll play it better. I can guarantee that. Uh, you don't <laughs> do you hear the little flub in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> well. No, I didn't know. Now you see, now I'm going to have to go go, back and listen. Yeah, listen. It's the second one around. I think I go. Right? That's the first one. Right after that, I go. And then there's just a little bit of a, of a flub. And And, you know, so, but again and again, like this new record, I allowed myself to just be me. And that means when I sang the songs, we didn't, we didn't auto tune them. We didn't sing them 50 times and pull words from this, that, and the other. Right. I didn't play the leads 55 times. We made these, we did these either live. Matter of fact, a bunch of it is just live and it's legitimately was recorded in one take with everybody playing what they played and no, you know, no click track, no movements, no moving things in post. I mean, we made this record like a record would have been made in 1955, you know? Yeah. And when I listen to it, because of that, I don't hear a better version of me. And for the first time in my life, that's exactly what I wanted. I just wanted to hear me, you know, like not a better version of me, but just legitimately me. It's like as, as real and, and open and honest uh, as anything that I've ever done. And I think that's the way that I'm going to do it more often than not. I mean, there may be times where I choose to do it differently, but for now... The Texas Hill stuff's the same way, man. We're three dudes singing army to each other. We're singing it live yeah. together. You can't tune, you can't tune it. You can't move it because we're all singing in the same room at the same time. Yeah. You know, and it's like, if we can't do that, then we have no business doing what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's it. I mean, truly, I mean, I hate to say it that way, but like, I, that's how I feel. Like, if I can't, if I, you give me two takes and I don't nail it, I need to, I need to figure out a different profession, you know, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, I don't know what that number is, but you know, I mean, two takes, three takes, whatever, but like, I don't expect people to be perfect, but to a certain extent, you've got to be able to do the job in the real world, um, and not depend on, you know, these, uh, technological wonders to make you sound better than you really are. And I've, I've fell down that trap because it's so easy and nice to have it there. You go, oh, well, I'll just do, I'll do it later, you know, or I'll make it better after. And it's like, that's it's really not, you're not really doing music at that point. You're just, you're just doing techie things, Yeah. you know, and that's cool uh, for some people. But for me, when I listen to the record, hearing what I really can do and hearing me really do it with knowing that like that was live or that was one take or whatever mm-hmm. makes me. It's made me grow as a, as a human being and an artist because I go, wow, that actually sounds good. And I actually did that. That's not me messing, tweaking and comping solos and, you know, all the tricks of the trade that, you know, you can do. So it's, uh, it's been a different deal, but that's the difference between strip it down and, and this one. So. So there you have it, Casey James. I want to thank Casey so much for uh, coming on Guitar Talk. It was a real pleasure having him a part of uh, the podcast. 
Uh, make sure you're going and checking him out at caseyjames.com, following him, whatever he's doing, because i tell you what, the guy's got a lot going on. I think he's going to be one of those guys that you're going to see around for a really long time in that. So, uh, you know, make sure you're following him on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all those different places and uh, supporting him. Support him. You know, we've got to support our musicians, right? So I want to thank Casey. Now, this coming Sunday... Right, because you know we have a show on Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Um, we are talking about recording guitars with John Carpenter of Thunderclap Recording Studios in Hammond, Indiana. Now, this might not be a cat that you're real familiar with, but I tell you what, he knows his stuff. He is uh, he's sharp as a tack when it comes to engineering and producing. Uh, he actually did my last EP that I did with uh, Walter Trout's band um, called the Thunderclap Sessions, <laughs> ironically. And uh, so uh, John joined me, you know, so that, you know, we could talk a little bit about, you know, being in the studio. Of course, we're going to talk about him as a player because he is a guitarist. He's a really good guitarist. He's in a really cool band called the Nomad Planets there in Hammond, Indiana, and, uh, you know, he's just a genuinely, you know, uh, sharp guy, good guy, really knows his stuff, and I thought he did uh, an exceptional job on my project in recording the guitars and that, so I thought it'd be cool to sit down and have a conversation with somebody around recording guitars, so, you know, if, you know, that's something that's of interest to you, you know, you're definitely going to get something out of it. Because John knows his stuff. Okay, so tune in uh, next Sunday, where my guest is John Carpenter, the owner and engineer of Thunderclap Recording Studios in Hammond, Indiana. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk. Make sure you're following me, Jimmy Warren, across all the social media platforms and at Jimmy Warren Radio on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to our email list at uh, guitartalkofficial.com and jimmywarrenofficial.com. We want to thank you so much. And if you can, you know, support us on a monthly basis. There's a place right there on our website where you can uh, click and you can support Guitar Talk, whether it's one time or on a monthly basis, you know, no matter how little. You know, we don't do this to make money. We do this to produce really cool content for guitar players. So there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys have a great week, and we will see you back here on Sunday.